Welcome to the High Performance Health Podcast with your host, Angela Foster. The show where we talk about everything you need to break through limits and achieve a high performance mind, body and lifestyle. Hi friends, it's Angela here. I have an exciting guest to introduce you to today. Um, if you are a female listener, then you're definitely going to want to listen to this episode as we're talking all about hormones. And for the male listeners among you, please share this with your significant other or friends that you think this might help because we are diving into the world of female hormones. Um, we, My guest today is Jen Pike, who is a functional diagnostic nutritionist. She's a registered holistic nutritionist, a certified yoga and Pilates instructor, and a medical exercise specialist. She's also a best-selling author and host of the podcast, The Simplicity Sessions. Jen specializes in women's health and hormones, and she's also an inspired mum of two and understands that true well-being is a journey to be enjoyed, not a struggle to be forced. And in today's podcast episode, we dive into the world of female hormones. We talk about why traditional medicine, in most cases, doesn't seem to help. Um, and we dive into things like why are women being prescribed things like antidepressants more and more for menopause? Um, we also talk about thyroid health and why TSH is not a good measure of thyroid health and why we also need more education around the contraceptive birth control pill. Um, we talk about the symptoms of perimenopause, why managing your blood sugar is one of the key things you need to get right as you move through the menopausal um, years and focusing both on adrenal health and thyroid health is really, really key in this regard. And we also talk about why menopause is really a beautiful time in a woman's life. It's the next coming of age and why we need to respect that and really educate and empower women at this stage of life. So if you're a female listener, as I said, I think you're going to really enjoy this. You're going to get lots of value. Um, make sure you are somewhere where you can take notes or go to my website, angelafosterperformance.com uh, forward slash podcast and you can actually listen to the episode there with full transcript or even download the transcript, which will really help you. So I'm excited to introduce you now to Jen, um, as I know you're going to love this episode. So I am absolutely thrilled to be joined today by Jen Pike, who is a functional diagnostic nutritionist. She's a medical exercise specialist with a focus on women's health and hormones, which I absolutely love talking about. So first of all, welcome to the show, Jen. It's so amazing to have you here. Oh, thank you so much, Angela. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, it's really exciting because we can actually kind of dive into all things female. And actually, it's funny, funnily enough, just literally before um, jumping onto this podcast with you, I was in my Facebook group talking about how to sync your workouts and your nutrition around your menstrual cycle. So we can kind of continue mm -hmm. that conversation on here. Um, so in terms of people listening, because some people listening won't have any experience of this at all, and they won't be syncing it, but they're probably aware that they don't, you know, they're just not feeling it at certain times of the month. And they just can't kind of bring the same energy and enthusiasm to workouts, to work projects, um, really to anything that's going on in their life. So could you, I think probably the best place to start is for you to explain the four phases for listeners and how that might be impacting their mood, their energy, etc. 
Yeah. And, you know, I think one of the easiest ways for people to understand this, because as women, this is not something we were taught as young girls. We definitely weren't taught this in like health education in school. Um, even a lot of practitioners weren't necessarily taught the, you know, the breaking downs of these cycles. And what most women understand is they have a period. And if you ask women, you know, how is your menstrual cycle? They will only talk about the period, the actual bleed week, believing that that is their whole cycle. And that the other weeks of the month, you know, that's just just when they're Angela, right? Or when they're Jen, like there's nothing else different. The reality is, is we have four very distinct phases. And essentially as a woman, you have four different bodies, physically, mentally, and emotionally as you go throughout the month. So the first phase is actually what's called the follicular phase. And the follicular phase is the day after your actual bleed has stopped. And so in that time, we're having a nice big surge of estrogen. Testosterone is also picking up. And at this time, this is a a beautiful time to actually be starting something new. This is when for women, they will say, oh my gosh, I finally feel like myself again. My brain feels sharp. My concentration is back. My sleep is better. My clarity has improved. Um, And so that's that follicular phase. This is when the hormones are on that drive up to ripen the follicles that are on the ovaries to get eggs mature and ready for then the next phase, which is phase two, and that's ovulation. So this is where now the body's been working to create these really beautiful quality eggs to you know select one that is going to be the queen and the star of the month, and that is then going to be released in ovulation. When that happens, we have a dip of estrogen that draws down. We, it then has like a secondary peak that happens coming into the luteal phase. But during ovulation, this is actually when, and even like leading into it, this is when women might notice that they are much more extroverted, that they, you know, have the desire to actually like, you know, wash and dry their hair, uh, you know, to put a pair of earrings on, maybe their libido is feeling a little bit more elevated and they want to, to be seen, right? So for a lot of women in business, they might find this is the best time to actually record something on film, right? To do a video or to do an Instagram live or to record a podcast because they just feel sharp and at their best. Coming out of ovulation is now when we move into the luteal phase. And this is actually the longest of the four phases. So this is once ovulation has happened in the body, you know, we've, we've had that temperature spike, we've had the changes happen in our cervical mucus. And now coming into that luteal phase on an energy level for a woman, this is really that time of the month where she is focused on completion and really like, what do I need to, to finish? Like, what are the piles that have to be put away? What are the you know boxes that have to be checked off? It's also a very contemplative period of time of like, what's not working? So as we go through these ebbs and flows of certain highs and lows of estrogen, testosterone, and progesterone, when a woman's coming into especially that week before her period, which is where a lot of the symptoms will show up, the breast tenderness, the, you know, the achiness in the body, the cravings, the weight gain, the water retention, the mood swings, you know, if someone's suffering from anxiety or depression, this can be a really vulnerable period of time because estrogen might stay a little bit higher, progesterone might bottom out, there could be other things happening. And so she may feel a little bit more unhinged. And in that period of time, it's like, okay, I need to just like, this isn't working anymore. This isn't serving me anymore. I I need to like, I'm saying no, I need to do away with those things so that I can actually, you know, feel better because something is feeling off. This is often how women will describe it. Um, And then coming into their actual bleed week, which is actually the last phase that the menstrual cycle, the actual period is the fourth phase because it's the culmination. 
it is that your body has been working throughout the month and your hormones have been working to help to richen your organ, your uterus, that endometrial lining. And so we've been thickening it. We've been building it up with really strong purpose and intention. And now when your actual bleed begins, this is the shedding. And so there can be discomfort sometimes because that organ, your uterus is literally contracting to slough off all the month's work, all the lining. So it's quite a regenerative process. Um, but if women aren't feeling well balanced in their hormones, they're not nourished optimally, they're burning the candle at both ends, they're not getting great sleep, they're undernourished in terms of the food coming into them, they have a lot of stress going on, this time of month for women can absolutely sideline them, where they'll say like, I literally lose two to five days out of every month of my life. I'm not the nicest version to my family. Um, I don't really like people, to be honest, in those few days. I just want to cocoon and I want to be left alone. And the period really represents winter. It's the fertile void. And it's like bear medicine. It's our time when our body is like, can you please just go into the den? Can you, you know, go inward? And it's a very reflective, powerful time for women once they understand that this is not in your head, you aren't just making up how you are feeling, that there's actual physiological reasons and endocrine-based reasons as to why this is going on that is then creating a sensation or a thought or a feeling in your body. And when you start to understand this, this is a level of empowerment like you will have for the rest of your life. Even when you're no longer cycling, you will be able to understand okay, this is why. And then you'll know what you need to actually do to better support your body. So that as every week and every month, you know, comes at you moving forward, you're more and more attuned and you now know how to actually, you know, take care of your body. So where women start is understanding what these four phases are. There is a physical, there is an energetic, and there's a physiological um, happening within every single phase. Now, for your listeners who no longer have a period, and this might mean because they're pregnant, um, they're postpartum and don't have a period back, maybe they're taking hormonal birth control, so it's being synthetically regulated, or in the case of a lot of women that are on maybe the Depo Provera shot or a certain IUD, they actually just don't have a period because they're on that. Um, or women who are menopausal and post. There's still a four-phase system that they can tap into, and that is following the lunar cycle, which is the cycle of the moon. So I actually have um, a free opt-in if they go to genpike.com um, forward slash freebies, and it's all about cycle syncing, and it's a guide they can download that actually takes them through so they can understand that. That's really interesting, because I, I suppose there's a couple of things there in terms of sort of unpicking it. Um, uh, is that when you're looking at those phases, I know a lot of women will try to, and I was actually just having this conversation with someone, they'll try to push on at the end, um, just mm. right before their period. And they feel frustrated because they feel like they're less strong. They were making such great gains with exercise in the early part of the month. And my understanding from this, and, and you're an expert in this area, is that actually if you try to push against this, you're creating so much resistance, you're likely to actually increase cortisol and it's more catabolic in nature. And you're probably actually going to undo some of the gains you've been making um, and that you're actually better off, as you're saying, kind of going intuitively with what's coming and now starting to slow things down as you go inwards and sort of move towards that winter. Is that right? Absolutely. And from a hormonal perspective, the, the tail end of that third phase, which is the luteal, and it's the longest coming into your period, 
you literally are not primed and do not have the appropriate, um, not only hormonal response, but like muscle is an actual endocrine organ. There's secretion that happens in muscles when we contract them. There's cytokines and peptides that are released that are communicating with your liver, with your pancreas, uh, you know, every aspect of your body, your brain. And so that time of the month is not meant for hit. It is not meant for power spin. It is not meant for um, CrossFit. It is not meant for high heavy load. That period of time is Pilates, yoga, walking, load bearing with your own body weight, maybe resistance bands, you know, lower in terms of the actual like weight that you're lifting, but higher in terms of volume of repetitions. But for the woman who wants to build and who likes that intensity, well, you have the whole first half of your cycle, like that follicular phase when you have the, you want to profit off of how high estrogen and testosterone are. And your tendons and ligaments are actually stiffer and more stable in that period of time. So you have better stability to load your body with heavier weights as where if you're doing that just before your period, the opposite is actually happening. Mm -hmm. So you increase your risk for injury. And you have to remember too, like when you are going into the days leading into your period, the reason that women get achy hips and a lower back, and they might actually feel it even radiate like into the rectum and down the legs is because those slow contractions, like your body's priming itself. And so you are more vulnerable to actually get injured and hurt if you're doing explosive movement, if you're pushing and lifting too hard. So you do have to be really careful. And it's hard for women because everything that social media, you know, and a lot of, you know, different trainers and that will tell you is like, that's ridiculous. You know, if you want to take a couple of days off and you're bleeding, that's fine. But this is what the program says. These are what your goals are. Mm. This is what you just, they just suck it up. You got to do this. Mm. Yeah, they, oh, you're absolutely right. They do. And I think it's um, this, this understanding. I mean, I think it's actually even used, isn't it? Now the cycle syncing with the U S mm-hmm. women's football team. Um, yeah. And it's so important. And I look at, you know, at my own daughter, she's very young at the moment, but as she grows, I just think this is going to be really important. And the studies show, don't they just as teenage girls come, you know, they can't, they'll, they'll win or lose. If you look at tennis players, they'll win or lose a match based on where they are in their menstrual yep. cycle. I just want to briefly interrupt today's show to tell you about a revolutionary supplement that can help you to manage your blood sugar. As you'll be learning on this podcast, when women reach the ages around perimenopause and menopause, they have a naturally more difficult time managing their blood sugar variability and can develop things like insulin resistance. And so Keon Lean is an incredible natural-based product that naturally um, basically supports your blood sugar it uses plant-based ingredients to support your metabolism even after carb heavy meals it totally supports your metabolic wellness it can assist in weight management and also help to support blood glucose levels and it's definitely something that i take if i've kind of indulged in the odd pizza here or had just too many higher carbohydrate containing foods Um, It makes you feel more energized after taking it. I can't recommend it highly enough. Um, And you can get a cool 15% off Keon Lean by heading over to bit.ly forward slash get my key on. So that's bit.ly forward slash get my 
Kion, which is K-I-O-N. And all you need to do is enter code Angela at checkout to get 15% off Kion Lean and also any of their other incredible supplements that they have. They use the highest quality ingredients in them. Um, They also have some amazing tasting purity tested um, coffee. It's been mold tested. It's super pure and it actually tastes incredible. Um, So go and check out Kion. I think you're going to really, really love their supplements over there. And as I say, Kion Lean is amazing for helping you to manage blood sugar variability. So just go over to bit.ly forward slash get my key on that's k-i-o-n and enter code angela at checkout now let's get back to jen can we touch then on the pill because you mentioned it there the contraceptive pill it's used obviously not just as contraception but also just for avoiding some of these um kind of i guess inopportune moments for having a period when people just really want to control it what's Mm -hmm. happening there because from the reading I've done there's suggestions that actually you are less strong when you're on the oral contraceptive as well Um, how does that impact someone because you're kind of artificially creating this sort of almost pregnant situation aren't you well, you are. And there's, so there's a couple of things that happen. So the first thing that women should understand that their doctors do not tell them, which is, you know, sacrilege to me, because this is, this is crazy, is that the moment you start taking the birth control pill, you stop ovulation. Mm-hmm. So the pituitary gland, which is in your brain, which its job, one of its main responsibilities is to properly produce and stimulate follicular stimulating hormone, which is FSH and your luteinizing hormone, which is LH. These two hormones have to be in harmony in order to then communicate through your HPAO axis, which is the hypothalamus and pituitary in the brain to the adrenals and then the ovaries. So the ovaries are like the final frontier. They get all their messaging from everything happening upstream. So not just like your gut health and your nutrient health, but also what is like that pre-programming that's happening in the brain. So you're on a chemically derived birth control pill that goes in and literally says to your body, like pituitary, I know this was one of your jobs. I'm on the scene now. I don't really care how else you fill your time, but this is no longer one of your roles I'm taking over. And so she no longer ovulates. And what is happening there is then we have this dysbiotic relationship between her actual natural production of estrogen. And she is going to have issues producing progesterone because the way we produce progesterone is by actually releasing an egg from that follicular sac every month. And then the body uses the leftover corpus luteum with granulosa cells and theca cells to now manufacture progesterone in your body. So the progestin that's in the birth control pill or the synthetic forms of progesterone in a shot or in the Mirena or the Kalia IUD, that is a level of mimicry in the body that is nothing like the hormones that you actually produce. So she's not get, when I was talking to you about the different cycles and having these like riding peaks of certain hormones and then the valleys and, you know, this oscillating energy, that woman on the pill does not have that throughout the month. So when we're talking about the peak times for her to be able to have proper muscle contraction, again, remember, muscle is an endocrine organ. It's also a longevity organ. And there's lots of studies. And and your listeners, like you could spend time on PubMed, literally just inputting into the search engine, like estrogen's impact on muscle contraction, Um, synthetic, you know, birth controls impact on muscle performance, athletic recovery. 
you could spend days on there, literally just reading the data and the information. And then also just ask a human, like ask a woman, oh, like when was the last time you PR'd and had your, you know, best match for your best workout on the first day of your bleed? The answer is going to be no one. Right. And so the impact of that, the other thing is, we know, with the pill and synthetic hormones is it dramatically impacts your actual gut microbiome. So for when you're on the pill, regardless of what's going on, the pill will actually start to bind to and utilize a lot of your minerals. So magnesium, it'll deplete your B vitamins. It'll impact your body's ability to utilize zinc and selenium. Magnesium is a huge one for proper muscle contraction, and it's involved in hundreds of different activities. So she's already at a disadvantage because of that. And then simply the way the pill, it, it works much like an antibiotic does on the actual microbiome itself within the gut, she's already at a disadvantage there. So there's a couple of compounding things that happen. But again, women aren't told this. And majority of women who are put on the pill, the last stat that came out from the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology was that more than 60% of girls and women who are prescribed the birth control pill, it has nothing to do with birth control. It's for acne, it's for irregular cycles, it's for PCOS, it's for heavy, painful clotting periods. Um, it has nothing to do with them trying not to conceive. No. And it's also, you know, from my own experience, it's kind of like a lazy prescription because I know that as a teenager, you know, when I was about um, sort of 15, I was getting very erratic periods, um, very, very heavy bleeding. And there was no investigation done. It was simply that my GP just said to my mom, this is the time, you know, sometimes that happens with girls. They just need to go on the pill. And I remember getting to university and thinking, I don't know if I really want to take this. I'm going to come off it and had zero periods at all for a full year. This was when I was reading law at university. And so when I went to see the doctor, obviously this is some time ago before we had sort of functional medicine practitioners and things. Mm -hmm. The response was, this is really bad for your bones. You need to go back on the pill because you're not having any periods. And so no investigation was done. And I was just sort of told, well, when you decide that you want to start a family, you're only kind of 20 at the moment. So when you decide you want to start a family, that's the time to think about it. And the idea being that, yes, you probably do have some form of issue that could affect fertility, but we don't need to look at that right now. I then got to the stage where I wanted to start a family, wasn't taking the pill, was having no periods. And then suddenly it's like, oh, actually your bloods and the scans show you've got PCOS. Mm -hmm. And I had, you know, by this point I got into like major pain, you know, I was, I was really struggling to walk one day at work, had to have um, pretty, not emergency surgery, but it was done within a couple of days because they were worried about the ovary twisting. And then when they go in, they find I've got endometriosis. So that long period of yeah. taking the pill had no impact on what was meant to protect anyway, right? They often, you'll be told that actually going on the contraceptive pill is great for PCOS and endometriosis. Well, that had all grown. My, my ovaries were covered in cysts. They had to be drilled um, and have everything removed. And I had these big endometrial cysts that were threatening the health of the ovary. And I just yeah. found that so shocking. Do you know what I mean? That, well, that I, I had no knowledge in that area at the time. Well, and how would you, because no one's empowering you. And like, 
this is also, this goes back like transgenerationally, right? It's like this was, it was a taboo subject. You don't empower women about their bodies. You don't talk to them about things like, you know, reproduction and their periods. That's dirty. You don't talk to them about sex and how ovulation works and those types of things. So women have just been so unprepared and uneducated for so long. And then simultaneously growing up where you just trust the doctor. And unfortunately, the medical system has a couple of different prongs for women with your scenario. The first one is going to be you go on the pill which is suppression. Women who bleed on the pill, that's not a period. It's called a chemical withdrawal bleed. So the only way that a woman, and, and here, like people who are like, what? Like, no way. Okay, I'm gonna give you a couple of examples. Ladies who are on the pill, let me ask you this. If you didn't wanna get your period when you're going on holidays or you're getting married, what do you do? You keep taking your pill. You don't stop the pill for the week or you don't take the sugar pill. Why? Because the only reason you bleed is when you have a withdrawal from the chemicals and the actual active pill. So the sugar pill and coming off it for a week, you have a huge drop in the chemical. This is what signals the shedding. As soon as you start taking the pill again on that said day, now your period will stop. That's how it gets regulated. It's not a true period. The other prong is if the pill doesn't work, well, then you're taught things like doing an ablation, going in and actually cauterizing, using a laser and burning off excess lining and different issues in the uterus. Then some women are presented with the option of an oophorectomy, which is taking the ovaries. Other women, it's a partial hysterectomy, which means taking the uterus and leaving the ovaries. And then in some women, it's doing a radical hysterectomy. Now, the problem is, is that had we simply started to educate girls between the ages of eight and 12 to prepare them for what was going to actually happen in their body, the physical, mental, and emotional sensations, the things they would start to notice in their underwear and when they were wiping, the changes they would start to notice in their body as something amazing and a, as a superpower. And like, you are a goddess that this is happening. Like this is so special in your body. And we taught them when to identify if you're feeling like this, you need to go to mom or your aunt or grandma or to somebody to dad and let them know because there is a course of action we can take to help them. Every single time a woman is put on a form of medication because of her period, it's like someone has put a mask on her face, mm. tape over her mouth, you're silenced. Mm. And so it's, and so too are all the symptoms and the symptoms are the gift. They're literally like someone in your body raising its hand and being like, um, there is something really off in here. We're trying to get your attention. Like how many more ways do we need to make you feel uncomfortable? And because there's a lot like, you know, for you, Angela, if you were having these irregular cycles right out of the gates, well, nowadays we know there's different blood work. There's dried urinary tests for comprehensive hormones for the Dutch we can do. You offer DNA testing. There's all of these different snips of information that we can gather. And then we can help that woman fully understand what's going to be best for her system. As opposed to, you know, like the information you were given, which my jaw never drops anymore because I've been doing this so long. I've literally heard every scenario, but you're in your 20s. You don't want to have a baby yet. So just come back. That's so incorrect. Our, our whole teen years and our 20s are literally what's building up this beautiful reservoir for if we do choose to want to become a mother. Um, and it happens, you see it on the other end of the spectrum for women that are in perimenopause and menopause, ignored, 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 suppressed with either them going on the pill, antidepressants, anti-anxiety medication. You just need a break. You just need a nap. This is 
the rite of passage as a woman. This is normal. You're just going to be hot and forget everything and be cranky and gain weight for the next three years. You'll get through it. You'll be fine. It's so disrespectful to women. And, you know, that transition to menopause can be a really beautiful one. And it should be the same way that a young girl should be able to transition into puberty, but either end of the spectrum, like you can look at this as two bookends, who is empowering these women to know this, to believe in their bodies. And then if something is out of balance, like for young girls, I really love a, to get them tracking their cycles right out of the gates use a tracking app. This generation is all about apps, track your symptoms, have open conversations about this. Like my oldest is almost 15 and that's our daughter. My youngest is 12 and that's our son. He could easily teach uh, lessons on menstruation because we've just, these are conversations in our house that, you know, and if he's ever like, oh gosh, I'm like, listen, had women not had menstruation, buddy, like you wouldn't even be you here. So be you, here exactly. you should be grateful <laughs> that this is a thing. <laughs> um, but the other thing I love for young girls is like, had we gone back in time and you were presenting with those issues, you could go to your doctor with the data. Like, look at this graph of my cycles mm. and my symptoms and things that work really well before going into the pills, like homeopathy, different herbs and botanicals you know, like Chinese medicine, acupuncture, there's so many other avenues we could take before and also medicating. like blood sugar variability, right? So one of oh, the things God, yeah. I noticed was, you know, they, they prescribed me metformin when I'd had the surgery and it was insulin resistance. And it's like, somebody could have told me, like I knew I had a family history of diabetes. What if somebody had just explained, whereas I then as a lawyer was busy reading books and like, how do you manage your PCOS naturally? And the funny thing is when you say, like, I totally agree with you in terms of empowering young women because I had absolutely no idea that when a period showed up having these giant blood clots was not normal like no one ever told me that so it wasn't until I had surgery and I saw what a very clean bleed was like that I suddenly was like I remember saying to the gynecologist this is the weirdest thing I only had one period before I fell pregnant but I was like this is the weirdest thing is that what it's meant to look like like, you know, and, and no one had cared, as you say, because it was just really simple. It's like, well, she very rarely has them when she does. They're like this. So we just stick her on the pill um, yeah. without any thought for the consequences. I wanted to ask you, because you're talking there about the transition, the other end, which I think is equally important. And lots of women are struggling with that side of things. You know, commonly for women, as they go through um, the perimenopause, they get a resurgence of all these things. They get Mm -hmm. really, really heavy bleeds. They get extended bleeds. Um, Mm -hmm. They're almost like not sure, well, when did my last period finish? And now when is the next one? Um, What have you found that moves the needle the most there for them in terms of helping them through that transition? You know, it's a lot of, it's hyperhormones the same way when the menstrual cycle starts. When most young girls start their period, estrogen is high, but they might not be ovulating. So progesterone is low. When you're going into menopause, you are now slowly stopping um, ovulating because that cycle and time of your life is done. And so estrogen oftentimes, again, is now higher and unbound. That's what can cause, you know, the mid-cycle bleeding, what can cause periods coming closer together, getting two in a month, periods getting heavier and worse. Number one in that is going to be looking at the fundamentals of, is your blood sugar stable? So, you know, insulin is a, it's a huge metabolic prong for many different reasons. But when we're going into menopause, 
the ovarian health, we still need to continue to take care of, but the adrenals are really, really important. And so is your thyroid, which is why a lot of women, when they go through menopause, end up then being diagnosed with a thyroid issue not too long after. And if we would teach women that when your ovaries start to slow down and stop producing as much estradiol, and we're not ripening as many follicles, and your eggs are now, you are not ovulating anymore. The ovaries essentially are saying like, it has been a blast for the last like 40, 50 years. I've done a fantastic job up here as like the mainstream, you know, entertainment and event. Um, but now I'm going to call on one of the backup singers, Adrenals, who have been supporting us through the whole journey. And Adrenals, it is your time to shine. Me as the ovaries, I don't have the ability anymore to produce what this woman's body needs, but we can't leave her high and dry. She still needs estrogen and some progesterone and testosterone. And you adrenals produce something beautiful called DHEA. And you can actually borrow from some of your DHEA and continue to help and support her. Now, if when a woman goes into menopause, she's never been taught to support her adrenals, her blood sugar is a mess. She's not getting proper sleep. She never moves her body you know, stress is high, all of these things, her thyroid is out of balance. And now the ovaries are like, bye guys, like no more encore adrenals are coming up. And then the adrenals are like, I'm sorry, what? Pardon? Like I'm now responsible. No one told me this. I'm not prepared. And this is now when a woman is like, I felt great. I hit a certain age. And now like, I don't even know my body anymore. I am gaining weight. None of my old tricks are working. I am, you know, really impatient. I'm snapping. I'm crying. I oftentimes feel myself saying I'm so tired and I don't understand because I'm not actually tired, but I just, I don't give a shit anymore. Like, honestly, that's what women will say is like, they get to a point when they feel so disconnected and out of balance where they, their motivation and drive you know, they go from this place of like thriving and having drive and motivation and just kind of like surviving, doing what needs to get done, but you know, joy drops. And there's so many things that we could be taught to do, support your digestion, keep your blood sugar, rock solid, stable, move your body often, understand where you're at in those cycles, um, supplement appropriately, you know, like gone are the days where we can just rely on the food that's grown in our soil. Mm -hmm. To, to be what we need. So what core nutrients does your body need? Um, so I think functional testing for women as they are, um, I mean, for me, honestly, I love regular testing for women annually. Like, let's just do a check-in and see what's going on. I agree with you. I agree with you completely. Um, and I think the other thing they don't understand, as you're saying, like all of those things, but also if the adrenal, if they are really highly stressed, which often they are at this stage and the adrenals are busy, like pumping out loads of cortisol, there's less room for things like um, adequate progesterone production, isn't there? And mm -hmm. I think they, I think it's really a struggle because what I notice is this is commonly showing up in women's lives at a time that is difficult for them. So they've often got teenage children that are, mm -hmm. you know, having more of their own issues going in their life, or maybe they're getting to the end of their teenage years. They've got aging parents who have issues yeah. themselves. They're kind of like, if they are um, in their own sort of uh, like careers and things, they've got a huge amount of responsibility. They're pretty yeah. in pretty senior positions. And it's like this whole melting pot of things at the same time, isn't it? Whereas really they just kind of need someone to give them a massive hug and help them through it and yeah. calm the yeah. whole system down. Yeah. And it's like, there's two ends of the spectrum for some women, depending on how they're hardwired and what's been going on, their cortisol production could be really high. They might not be metabolizing it that way. And this is why the testing helps to understand, because if you have a woman who is like, 
She's constantly on the go, very frenetic energy. It's more painful for her to sit still and do nothing than it is for her to be super busy. That's a different that's a different hormonal uh, chemistry that's happening in her body versus the woman that is like got the laundry list of things to do and can't get herself up off the couch, can't peel herself away from Instagram. And she, her actual cortisol production is very low. She is, you know, preferring more cortisone, which is the inactive form. But then you test her and you see like her adrenaline is sitting high or her GABA is low because she's not ovulating anymore. So there's so many different things that can happen. And unfortunately, if a woman goes to her doctor and says, like, I'm not feeling myself, you know, rhymes off all the symptoms, she's most likely going to be recommended an antidepressant. Yes. Yeah. That's really common as well, which is, yeah. I mean, how is that a treatment protocol for perimenopause? It's not. It's not, it's not at all. Like this is menopause is a beautiful time in a woman's life. It really is. um, It's like your next coming of age. And we just get told like it, you know, when you hit 40, 45, 50, like you're washed up, there's like nothing good. Like what? Are you kidding me? I mean, like look around at the women in their fifties and sixties and seventies, like look at your JLo's and your Jane Fonda's and like your Julia Roberts and all these women where it's like, no, they just chose to continue to take care of themselves. And they, you know, chose to make that a priority. And yes, using celebrities is maybe a moot point because they have a team, um, a village that's helping them do that. But we can all do that too. It's like a conscious decision. Like don't buy into this notion that you are, you know, your, your journey as a woman is done now and none of these things apply to you. In my practice, especially in the hormone project, a lot of the women who I work with are 40 to 60 years old. And they say to me, Jen, I feel like I have just come home for the first time to myself. I feel like I'm finally meeting myself because I've raised my babies. I have, you know, put the hard work in to get to where I am in my career. I actually have time for me now Mm -hmm. and it's great. And I have all these things I want to do, but I'm overwhelmed with what the last few decades have done to my body. And so I want to start fresh and start anew. And so I think it's like, I'm 41. So perimenopause is going to last, you know, anywhere from eight to 12 years, depending on the woman. So I'm in those perimenopausal years. And I really, you know, I treat my body now the way I want her to feel and function for the next 15, 20, 30, you know, 50 years of my life, not how I want her to look by the end of the month. Yeah. Yeah, Right. It's like, it's a big switch for people. Definitely, definitely. And what have you found as well? Because I know like lots of people complain, you know, in terms of suddenly at this point, they're getting like bad skin showing up that they didn't have before. Mm. What have you found with that? Because that's always a shock for people, isn't it? When they feel like, well, hang on, I'd like the teenage years are long done. Why am I now getting acne? And why is this showing up in my life? (laughs) Well, that a lot of times for women who are having that, that means that their androgens could be elevated. So they may have a high higher level of DHEA, higher level of testosterone, um, or they're possibly moving things down more of what's called a 5-alpha reductase pathway. And that can contribute to oily skin, acne, especially cystic acne. Um, The other thing is if there's acne, there's something happening in the gut and there's something happening in the liver. So that phase one detoxification, which is the liver and the gut, you know, there's different tests too, like GI map testing of actually testing your poop and understanding what's going on in your back bacteria. Like, you know, you're not the only one living in that body. (laughs) And so like, what are the other critters up to, um, you know, and that, that can really help you to understand what's going on. So the other side of the skin is that you need to calm down your, uh, product approach as women, because 
we are hyper-marketed by all of the cosmetic companies and all of the gadgets and the gizmos. And the reality is, is that the more you simplify your skin routine and your nutrition and like, like my whole branding is simplicity for a reason. And it's like, simplicity isn't about being simple, but we want to move into our lives as women where we're constantly purging and releasing what's not working and creating a path where there's more ease and going through an eight step process before you go to bed at night for your skin or constantly, you know, scrubbing, washing, microdermabrates, like all of these things, your body's not interested in that. You'll actually create more wear and tear and inflammation over time. Mm, Yeah, that's a very good point. Very good point. And, um, I guess the last point is, because you touched on it before you go, can we just briefly touch on thyroid? Um, You mentioned Mm -hmm. there that a lot of women, they find that actually they end up being diagnosed with a thyroid condition during that transitional period. What's happening there and, and what should they be looking out for? Well, I think the first thing is women need to understand the actual blood test that they need to be requesting because standard blood testing around the world, we work with women globally is TSH and TSH. It's not a thyroid panel. It's not even an actual thyroid hormone. TSH is a thyroid stimulating hormone that comes from your pituitary, that same gland that when you're on the pill, um, you know, get shut down. And so TSH, what it does is it tells us the signal from up top to the thyroid itself. Like how strong is that? Once the thyroid receives that signaling, now the thyroid actually manufactures and produces free T4 and some free T3. Now, what's important to understand about that, and you do need to request this on blood work, free T4 is not your metabolically active thyroid hormone. It has to be converted via the liver and a little bit in the gut into free T3, which is actually what your body uses for regulating your cardiovascular and circulatory system, your you know neuro- neurology, like your brain function, um, your metabolic system, your body temperature, your menstrual cycle. And so that T3 conversion is a really important number to understand because you could be pumping out free T4 all day, but if your issue isn't production, your issue is conversion, it's going to completely change the course of action. So when we look at things like Synthroid or Levothyroxine, that's pure T4. It's a synthetic form of T4 and there's no T3. So again, if we have women that have a difficult time with the conversion, they might feel better in the beginning for a bit when they're taking their synthetic thyroid hormone, but then they are like, you know what? Like I still don't feel good. And the only thing that the endocrinologist or doctor will do is they'll pump it up or they'll tone it down. Mm. as opposed to looking deeper. So TSH free T3, free T4. The other thing is reverse T3. This is probably one of the harder ones to get your doctor to actually test for you. Some will even tell you that that's not a test. It most definitely is. Um, And that is actually, it's a biomarker specific to the thyroid for inflammation. And if you have high reverse T3, what it does is it literally gets in front of the cells. Every cell in your body has a receptor site for your thyroid hormone. And reverse T3 is like a linebacker. And it literally like plugs itself in front of it and it does not allow the active T3 to get into the cells. So now you don't have the energy. You don't have the healthy hair. You don't have the healthy cycle, all of these things. And then the two thyroid antibodies, which are TPO, which is your thyroid peroxidase, and then antithyroglobulin, TGAB, those thyroid antibodies, if there is antibody action happening, this now means your immune system has become triggered in the thyroid imbalance. And those two antibodies specifically, 
will go and target and attack healthy thyroid tissue. This is how you diagnose Hashimoto's. So the problem for women historically, and it still happens today, we have to fight for our clients all the time. And now we like, I just bring nurse practitioners and doctors into my practice so we can just circumvent this ridiculous system because they are only getting TSH tested. You can have a normal or what appeals to be normal TSH for years, like a decade and have suboptimal ranges in all these other areas I just talked about. So you have all the symptoms. You literally are like on Google or reading a book that talks about thyroid issues. And you're like, um, yes, yes, yeah, this is me. Like you might as well put my face next to this definition. You go into your doctor and you say, I have all these signs and symptoms. No problem. We're going to test your thyroid. All they do is test your TSH. Your range comes back normal. For those of you listening, I'm doing quotations um, because normal and optimal are not the same thing. Mm -hmm. So I'm in Canada, our lab ranges here. Really what we're looking for is that that TSH value is between one and two free T4. We want to see that somewhere between 14 and 16 free T3. I like to see it no lower than 3.8, no higher than about 4.85 reverse T3. I like it well below 15. And then the thyroid antibodies, I like them both below 20. So it is getting proper testing. So whether you're GP or your endocrinologist, your naturopathic or functional medicine doctor, uh, you really, ladies, you need to become an advocate and, and you have to become a lioness for your health. Like you really need to start to roar. Yeah, it's yeah. so true. It's so true. But are you are you saying that? Like, have you found that probably these things, when they come on in perimenopause and finally the doctor agrees to actually go a bit more in depth, is that most likely they've been going on for quite a long time. Oh, and it's every not time. that it's perimenopause that's brought it on. Actually, that's yep. been there, but it's now just exacerbated it and moved it to a effectively a disease position where now the doctor's happy to get involved. Because as you say, aren't they? They're always looking at a disease parameter. It's basically when I often find that when someone comes and they say, I've been to see the doctor and this is it, and they said, everything's fine. It just means that you're not completely sick right now, but you might be on your way there, but you're not ready to see me yet. (laughs) So when you get really sick, come back. Yeah. You're also not at the point, Angela, where I can prescribe you medication. So I don't know how else to help you. So you're fine. Yes. Yes, like the exactly. worst advice a woman could be given in that situation is, or a woman who has nodules on her thyroid, cyst on her thyroid, let's, we'll do a scan. Okay. We, okay. So let's just touch base in three to six months. So you've given her no education on anything different to do. You've given her no support on anybody else to connect with. So what's going to happen to this woman in three months, six months, nine months, a year, things are going to get worse because she's not been taught to actually take charge and change anything. Mm-hmm. Like these issues do not drop out of thin air. They're not even like there's an epigenetic component to them, but you don't inherit them. You, you live your way into them. If no one's teaching us that certain lifestyle habits are what are, you know, laying the groundwork for this, we just go through life comparing ourselves to everyone else. And most people you hang out with, if you're suffering, they also probably suffer. So do you, that's just normal, mm. right? We don't yeah, have these, these comparatives. So this is again, why I really love to have regular testing because now you ladies, you're building this, this health portfolio that you can continue to flip back through. And now you have all this data that will help you understand how to move forward. 
Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. And you think, why wouldn't you? Your car goes in for an annual checkup. Why do you not? It's like, we just assume that that's fine for 50 years. Everything's just going to go really, really well. A car would never keep going for 50 years without a kind of, you know, a a check over or some optimization here or there. It's just crazy. Yeah, Um, I know. Well, thank you so much, Jen. You've shared so much today. Please share where people can find you, more about you, your programs. Please link to everything now and we'll put it in the show notes too. Yeah, thank you for having me, Angela, uh, and to ladies listening. So if you're really interested in the part about the exercise and movement based on your cycles, I have a whole program called Synced, which is an online, it's actually an online studio. I teach live classes in there, like movement classes, as well as educational. Um, And then I have the Hormone Project, which is where we do the functional testing and really take you through the journey of your body as a woman through all the phases. So if you head to genpike.com, you can find all of that there. And then Instagram is where I spend most of my time. And I have a podcast called The Simplicity Sessions. Amazing. I will link to all of that in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on today. It's been wonderful. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the High Performance Health Podcast. As always, the show notes and everything we talked about will be over on my website, angelafosterperformance.com forward slash podcast. You can also download the transcript there. You can even re-listen to the episode with the transcript playing as you listen as well. So make sure you go and head over there and access all of the resources for the episode. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, then I would be super grateful if you pay it forward and leave a review. It really helps us to get the message out there um, and really just reach a wider audience. And as you know, I am running a competition at the moment. So if you leave a review and subscribe to the podcast, just tag me on Instagram at Angela S. Foster on any episode that you're listening to, and I will enter you into the competition to win my 90-day flagship Live Younger, Longer Blueprint with a free DNA test worth £500 included. So don't forget to take a screenshot of the episode you're listening to and tag me on social um, on Instagram at Angela S Foster and I will enter you in to win thanks for listening remember to review and subscribe you can grab the show notes the resources and highlights of everything Angela mentioned over at AngelaFosterPerformance.com you can also snatch up plenty of other goodies, including the highly helpful Angela Recommends page, which is a list of everything she personally recommends to optimize your mind, body, and lifestyle.